When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. I know you like stories of the strange and unexplained, so I need you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. It's where real people share their true spooky stories in their own words. The concept is simple. Jim talks to everyday people about their strange encounters and publishes it as a 90-minute episode every week. There's no exaggeration or anything. The stories basically speak for themselves. I recently told a story on there, so let's see if you can spot it. And there's more stories too, like the one about a child who had vivid past life memories, or the one about a woman who found a ghost in her bed. Now, not all the stories are horrifying. Some are heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one, or a peaceful near-death experience, perhaps. Regardless, they are true and fascinating, as told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Now do me a personal favor. Tune into Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to True Scary Stories. Again, you can find it by searching for Jim Harold's Campfire. Welcome to Scary Story Podcast. The following story is simply an experience. No answers, no conclusion. And if your mind completes the story, I would love to hear about it. It's how longtime listeners might remember how this podcast used to be. My name is Edwin, and here's the scary story. You can ask my friend Sarah, and she'll tell you the same thing. I will never go camping. During high school, the guys wanted to do this thing where we would go and hang out by the lake, and I was excited about it, until I realized that we would have to drive into Lake Johnson, the one at the edge of the woods. It wasn't normal anymore. Had I thought about moving out to New York or Los Angeles to avoid the whole thing, if I could only save up the money... I was still a teenager, and all these plans were only dreams. I needed to get away from this area. Back then, it was not that big of a deal, since I could avoid it. Although, growing up, I got made fun of a lot because of it. I missed science camp and most summer camps for middle school. No matter what my dad and mom said, I wouldn't go. I tried to, one time. It turned out to be a huge problem, because I refused to get on the bus once everything was ready. Everyone was waiting for me, and I just sat there and cried, holding up the bus until the teacher called my dad at work to come pick me up. It's how I got my nicknames. Scaredy Annie. Annie Boo. The one who was afraid of her own shadow. The one who needed someone to go take her to the bathroom at night. It was a big deal writing all this down. Things I couldn't remember were suddenly coming up left and right. I thought my parents understood me. 
although they passed it off as me just being a regular kid, one who was easily scared. But it wasn't until high school when they realized that this wasn't normal and they forced me to go see a doctor, a therapist who could fix me, they said. Was I going to be a grown-up and still be afraid of doing my own laundry in the basement? All of these things I got to remember once I went through my journals. The ones I wrote back when I was a kid. I used to be afraid of the dark. And not in the sense that you're imagining it. Not that I could simply hide myself under the covers and feel better. It was of what hid out there. Lurking. I could not explain it to anybody else until I started reading a journal by this woman who talked of something similar to me. It was because of her that I started writing my own. Her story was the scariest I've ever read in all of my research in trying to find out what these things are. I know it sounds made up, and trust me, I struggled with this too. But I've seen things in the dark. They move in the night, quickly. They have their own unique set of behaviors that you start to identify. It's as if you knew them at one point, you know? Like when you walk through the same alley that you used to walk when you were a kid. And you remember the same garage doors with their different colors and shapes, hoping that the neighbor's dog doesn't scare you this time. It's like that. You know your mind remembers it, but you're not quite sure how. The journals were in regular lined notebooks, up in boxes and along the bookshelves, behind the books of neatly organized school textbooks and workbooks for my classes. I didn't want just anybody to find them. I'd always been a very private person, especially after being afraid of the world. I don't know why, but I thought about turning it into a book. But I updated it every once in a while, sometimes every day, and sometimes two or three times per year. So I figured I had already broken the rule and that it would never work. It started off with my description of my family. Four of them. My mother, father, and my older brother who eventually starts having trouble sleeping. Nothing happens, and I thought it would just be me talking about my crushes and other things from school. But eventually I found an entry, one that talked about a conversation with my brother, where he told me what he suspects is keeping him awake. Then he asked me, begged me, to avoid the bedtime stories. Say no to the bedtime stories and just go to sleep. Then I found the entry, the one I called The Origin Story. I used to title my entries, and that first one, from 1997, started off with, I couldn't sleep last night, just like my brother. In it, I mentioned thinking that he's staying up reading at night or sneaking into the living room to watch TV, and that maybe that's where he's getting the bedtime stories. Perhaps some creepy show like the ones he used to like. I then go on and on about things that I did that day, including how we named my friend's new dog. And I kept updating that journal. About a week later, I said the same thing, that I couldn't sleep. And then I began to explain my day, mentioning how I got locked in the basement by accident, and I had to wait for my dad to come home from work to let me out. You can imagine the sense of relief knowing that I had found a possible explanation for my fear of the dark. But then I mentioned mom and her bedtime stories. How I heard noises outside my bedroom and watched the door creak open as my mom peeked inside the room and asked if everything was okay. When I told her that I couldn't fall asleep, she offered to tell me a bedtime story. In that specific entry, I mentioned the warning from my brother, 
to say no to the bedtime stories. But it was mom, and mother's rules are stronger than brother's rules, or so I said in the journal entry. And so my mom stepped into the room and sat at the edge of my bed, looking right at me without turning on the lights because they would wake me up even more. In a faint whisper, she began. And then I wrote what I remembered of mom's bedtime story, surprised that I was even able to do that, although I'm not sure how accurate it is, given that I was young and might have made a few things up to make the story make sense. Still, it was not something I could have come up with on my own. No way. Anyway, here's what the story was about. There was once a girl who lived in a house with her mother, only her mother, who loved her very much. The girl wanted to go outside to be with her friends, but her friends were bad kids and wanted her to steal candy and toys and bread from the corner store. Please, mother, let me go out and play and I promise I won't misbehave, she begged her mother. Her mother, her loving mother, agreed and let her go outside. But the girl came back after a very, very long time, long after the lights on the street had turned on. The mother waited outside for hours, past midnight now, and she would not come home, so she gathered her neighbors and asked them to go look in the woods behind her house. Quiet woods that silence all voices and screams. And they called the police and people from the neighboring towns to look for the girl. She never came home. The mother, in the same clothes she had been wearing that night, wandered the streets, looking for her daughter for weeks. Since she wouldn't eat, she grew thin and weak, and one day collapsed in the middle of the street and died. A year later, when the house was going up for sale and needed to be cleaned up, they got rid of the rotten food and spiderwebs and finally opened the basement door, only to find the dried-up corpse of a young girl leaning on the other side. Afraid of her mother's wrath, she had tried to sneak back into the house without her mother finding out. The basement window had been open, easy for her to climb into, but too tall for her to climb out. It was a pretty bizarre story in that journal, but I continued in the journal by saying how I, now with my eyes wide open, was able to see the shadow of my mother walking out the door and closing it. Good night, she whispered, as I turned my head over and heard the ticking of the clock until the cold blue color from the window started lighting up my room. I could remember it clearly as though I had gone back in time. The following entries I would mention more and more bedtime stories. Some I could remember and others I simply mentioned, saying that I had made myself forget them. Stories of a mother and a daughter who disappeared one day. Why my mom would scare her child like that in the middle of the night was beyond me. But I was obsessed with my journal, and although I didn't know if it would help me figure this out, I knew it couldn't hurt. I was tired of being afraid all the time, so I kept journaling. But I was glad I did, because it was an eye-opening experience reading something like that, and I think that's why I started liking autobiographies and memoirs instead of the typical novels my friends were reading in high school. There was more to that. Whenever I would mention the creatures that lurked in the night, I began to remember them again. It was although I was reading someone else's journal at first, long lost memories coming right back to me. When I was rereading everything, it felt like a secret, 
like this investigative reporting project I was doing for myself in order to get to the bottom of it. A thing that I could tell no one about, but needed to discover for my own sanity. I started getting images, flashbacks of these creatures. Very vaguely, I remembered the way they would come through the doors, the cabinets and drawers that lined the walls of it. Crawling, like groups of snakes toward my bed. Some would stand, and others would remain on the floor. And I could swear that they talked to each other, whole night, whispering and pacing around the room in their own ways. Everything I found through books and websites at the library would eventually lead to otherworldly creatures, in-depth studies of elementals and demons, beings that did not belong to this realm. None of these theories pointed to them being anything good. A lot of the words they used to describe them I needed to look up myself, and they were all terrifying. But I felt like I was saving the answer for later. As I finished and reread those old journal entries, one question kept popping up in my mind. My brother had warned me. He wanted me to say no to the bedtime stories. Why? And even though I knew he would make fun of me for asking, I called him anyway. It took a bit for him to realize that this was a serious issue for me. And then he asked, Did I really want to know? And then he told me. The rest of mom and her bedtime stories is coming up right after this. Stay with me. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Listening to and sharing your stories is great. Setting up calls, emails, release forms, and the tech stuff that gets messed up sometimes is less fun. Finding that balance between what people expect from you and taking care of yourself is one of the biggest lessons for me so far this year. And therapy helps with that. Setting boundaries and learning how to cope with stressful situations in a positive way empowers you to bring out your best. It isn't only for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. It's flexible and convenient because it's entirely online and you can get started by filling out a brief questionnaire. You'll then get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch at any time without any additional charges. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash truescary today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash truescary. With HelloFresh, you get pre-portioned fresh ingredients right to your doorstep, saving you money and trips to the grocery store along the way. And this May, you get to try limited-time recipes that were created in partnership with Chef Surbisani of New York City's Tagmo Restaurant, just in time for Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. The fast and fresh options are quick, 15 minutes tops, and you'll be done. It's better than takeout, both in taste and price. Now, people think that I know how to cook, but... Really, I just follow the instructions, and I think that's another point that no one talks about. There are pictures, clear instructions, and the exact portions already measured out. Now, you have no idea how easy this is. Um, they give you this sheet, and it's in full color. It's just so nice, and the food looks great, so you kind of know what you're aiming for. And every once in a while, they do say something like, add to taste, which makes sense, and usually I just guess, and it works. 
Anyway, you get to try this for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash ScaryStory16 and use the code ScaryStory16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash ScaryStory16 and use the code ScaryStory16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Cooking at home with HelloFresh is easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. My brother was a logical person. Anything having to do with science, math, or computer games, he was into. It showed in his personality, too, how he would brush off anything that didn't make logical sense to him, like how colors match with one another when you're picking your clothes, or why people cry so much over dumb things. Knowing that about him made hearing his experience all the more bizarre. You see, he had asked my parents to stay for 20 minutes more after school because he needed to talk to his teacher about something. This was back in middle school, and I remember because it was when I first got to see the school that I would be going to after leaving fifth grade. Dad and I walked to the classroom after parking the car, and the teacher talked to us about the importance of getting enough rest, and if my brother played too many games at night because he seemed tired during the day. He said it was because of his games and the books he was reading, but I knew it wasn't true. He had been more quiet than usual around the house, too. This was when I had made that entry about my brother having trouble sleeping, although I didn't know why. It had turned into a whole family thing, with all of us making rules about when we could use the TV. We would turn off the lights at a certain hour, and even changed our dinner time to earlier in an attempt to help him. As my brother was explaining this to me over the phone, he asked if I remembered him asking me to say no to the bedtime stories. I said, yeah, I remembered, but I told him that one time, mom came in to tell me one. My brother grew quiet over the phone and started asking me questions about it. What had mom told me, and when had it happened? I tried to explain everything to him, but he seemed to grow even more impatient with what I was telling him. What had she told me and what had mom been wearing that night? How she had come into the room and what her voice sounded like? He stayed quiet for a moment, until finally he started telling me about his experiences. He had been laying in his bed one night, again having trouble sleeping. But suddenly he started feeling very tired out of nowhere, and so he turned around to finally try to get some rest. And after a few minutes, he heard a tapping at the door. Then it cracked open, slowly. He saw mom at the door and watched her come in and sit at the foot of his bed, saying that a bedtime story would help him if he couldn't fall asleep. Even I was getting too old for bedtime stories at that age, and he was older than me, so I understood when he said that it was strange for her to do that. Not knowing what to say to her question, he stayed quiet as he started telling him the same story that she would eventually tell me. The one about the woman who lost her daughter, who was later found dead in the basement. And just like that, the way she had done with me, Mom simply walked to the door and shut it, leaving him creeped out that night, if anything making it more difficult for him to fall asleep. Several nights after that, Mom came into his room again, offering another bedtime story. My brother, not knowing what to say, did not answer, and Mom started telling him another one. This one even more bizarre. 
From the foot of his bed, he explained, Mom started telling him the story of a woman who was a rope maker. She would spend her time on the machines in the back of the house, twisting and collecting material to make ropes that would get sent throughout the state and had made a big business out of it until she learned that a man from one of the prominent families, one in the area, had hanged himself using her rope. The mention of the newspaper made the rope sell even more, and soon she went from two employees to twenty, until one day, she saw the ghost of Mr. Gilbert sitting in the living room by the fire, deep bruises in a ring around his neck. Frightened by the whole thing, she rushed to the bedroom and waited awake until morning. She went straight into town and got a hold of one of the offices of the Business People Associations. She then put the business up for sale and then sold it a week later. But it was too late for her. Thoughts of Mr. Gilbert and suddenly other people with bruises on their necks kept visiting her at night until she couldn't take it anymore and ended her life with the last of her remaining inventory. The whole time I was listening to my brother speak, I could tell that he had been affected by this as much, if not worse, than I had. Or perhaps I had been the only one to manage to forget the whole thing and needed my old journals to remember everything. My brother had lived with the memories this whole time. But the stories kept coming, he said. There were many more. Terrifying bedtime stories that would keep him awake for hours, that would eventually start affecting his grades at school eventually all of us. Aside from the daughter in the basement, the rope maker, there was also one about the cook in the kitchen, the mouse traps, and the one about the tall creature from the yard, until he was finally able to say no to the bedtime stories. And it was at that point when mom stopped coming to his room. That's when she went into mine. All of those stories had long been forgotten. I mean, having to go through my journal to remember them was one thing, but it felt terrible knowing that mom had been responsible for my fear of the dark all this time, and for my brother's trouble sleeping. Knowing what had happened, the cause of all of this, seemed to help. Even though I didn't understand what her reasoning could have been, and even after changing up our entire lives to help us sleep better, and mom... The same mom that would make us change the channel whenever a scary movie would come on also told the scary stories at night. Just didn't make sense. Still, I noticed I was less afraid in general, and soon things started improving overall. By the time I had gotten to college, I had forgotten about the whole thing, and just like with my brother, it didn't seem to affect me at all. Time passed, and eventually I graduated, got married, and moved to a city nearby. But it wasn't until I went to visit my parents' house with my own family, years later, when everything came back to the surface. It was like I was a child all over again when I heard the tapping on the door. And then the creak. Mommy. Mommy. I heard in a faint whisper. I'm scared. I'm scared. My daughter had come into the room. She crawled into bed, explaining that a woman had come into her room to tell her a bedtime story. Was it grandma? I asked her, as she shook her head. My daughter had a nightlight in that guest room, the one that had been my brother's old room, and it was thanks to that light that she was able to see what she looked like. Short and dark hair, long arms and a smile, 
But what really scared her were what she called the woman's friends. Small creatures, she said, that crawled out of the closet door and out of the drawers and the cabinets. Some crawled under her bed. Others simply seemed to be talking to each other. And then she told the story of the mother and her daughter. Do me a favor and follow this podcast to get next week's story. You can get a hold of me by email if you have any questions, and you can also reach out via social media. I'll leave my contact info in the description of this episode. Story ideas and suggestions are welcome. Thank you very much for listening. See you soon. Here are some scary news. We're throwing away an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles every year. 5 billion with a B. And even getting these to the stores is costly and wasteful because they're 90% water already, so it just costs a lot to ship it. That means even more carbon emissions. And that's where Blue Land enters the picture. Their mission is to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning products to be better for you and the planet. Here's what they do. They send you cleaning products in a bottle that you refill with water. You drop in the tablets and then you watch them dissolve. Refills start at just $2.25 and you can have them on a subscription or buy them in bulk to save even more. Start off with the Clean Essentials Kit. That's the one that's on the way to my house right now and it comes with three bottles of cleaner and a bottle of hand soap. Blue Land has an offer just for listeners of Scary Story Podcast. 15% off your first purchase of any product. Being able to reduce the amount of plastic I use and throw away is important to me, so I'm excited to get my Clean Essentials kit from Blue Land this week. To get 15% off your first order, go to blueland.com scary. You won't want to miss this. Go to blueland.com scary. That's blueland.com scary. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Christina and Carmen. We're the hosts of Spooky Tales. And if you want spooky stories from Latin America, plus a little laughter, then check out Spooky Tales in your favorite podcast app. There's new episodes every Friday. Stay a spooky.